Good morning. Well, I would like to thank you for your profound hospitality. And I am grateful to God for this opportunity to bring the word of the Lord to you today. My name's are Isaac Kawesa. If you call me Kawesa, I'm not going to be offended. But it's Kawesa. And I come from the nation of Uganda. Uganda is situated in East Africa. It borders the nation of Kenya on the east, Tanzania south, North Sudan, West Congo. So that's where we are. It's a small nation, but God is doing amazing things in that nation. Well, I am also a husband of one wife. She was here in the first service. I don't know where she is. She might be teaching a Sunday school class. And God has blessed me with three wonderful kids. So that's my story in a nutshell. If you want an extended version, let's do coffee sometime. Today, we will be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I hope you had uh, a great Thanksgiving. I enjoyed turkey and all the other stuff that we ate, you know. I wish we had Thanksgiving in Uganda. Maybe it's something that I will ad advocate for when we go back. Because it seems, I mean, it's a great, it's a very interesting season for families and, you know, to get together. Just touch best. Okay. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. In First Thessalonians chapter 5, forgive, the apostle Paul gives out a lot of their... Uh, exhortations, but today we will just look at one, and it's in verse 18, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. It says, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I repeat it. He says, in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Well, there is a few things that I would like to bring to your attention today. In line with this verse. Number one. Thanksgiving is not seasonal. It is not a one-time or two-time event. Now, that, that is not to imply, that's not to imply that it is wrong when we set aside certain times in a year where Thanksgiving becomes the central focus. But the problem arises when we restrict Thanksgiving to those pre-appointed times that we have set, and we deliberately choose to ignore it throughout all the other times of the year. You know, when Thanksgiving shows up, people become kind, and we write about it on Facebook, we tweet it, you know. We remember people that we usually forget 
So it's usually a very interesting time, a joyous time. You know, we become vibrant and vivacious and we smile and we laugh and do all that good stuff. But as the season passes by, somehow we revert back to our old tendencies of whining and complaining and grumbling and the self-pity and so on and so forth. The Bible says in everything, in every circumstance of life, in every season, be what thing for? For it is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Paul presents the principle of thanksgiving as a non-negotiable. This is a responsibility to which we are at all times duty-bound. We cannot restrict it to just the positive issues of life that so easily evoke thankfulness. But it's a principle that stretches out even into our wilderness experiences when things don't go as we would like them to go. When people don't give us the dignity we think that we deserve. When our businesses are incurring more losses than profits. The Bible says, be grateful, for it is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Amen. The second thing that I would like to bring to your attention is this. Everything that God requires of us is not in, is not in proportion to the strength that we do possess in and of ourselves. The requirements of God to us are not in proportion to the strength that we do possess in and of ourselves. But they are proportional to the grace that he has made to us, that he has made available to us in Christ Jesus. God has given us the grace to do whatever he requires of us. So failure to exemplify thanksgiving, failure to exemplify thanksgiving cannot be attributed on the, on the insufficiency of the grace of God. God has given us more than enough grace to empower us to be grateful in each and every season of our lives. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 10, Paul says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I walked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Are you grateful for the grace of God in your life? The grace that empowers us to do what truth requires of us. The grace that empowers us to be grateful and joyful. Even in times where all hell is breaking loose all around us. Amen. The grace is sufficient. Number three. And this is very crucial. Our commitment to God. And to the assignments that God has committed to our trust. You see it's a dual commitment. 
We are called to commit our lives to the Father, God, and then to the things that he has called us to do. So our commitment to God and to the things that he has called us to do does not exempt us from the sufferings and the travails of life. In this world, suffering is part of the normal human experience. It is part and parcel of our Christian experience. Yet even in times of suffering, God is still faithful. He's a God who is faithful. He's a God who will never change in spite of whatever circumstances that we face. The Apostle Paul is going to be our prime example for today. If you know anything about this man, here is a man that had every reason to be miserable and disgruntled in life. All throughout his ministry journey, he encountered hardship after hardship. Most of his letters are written while he is, he is in prison confinement. And I'll give you some examples. He writes the letter of the Philippians while under house arrest in Rome. Yet, in, yet it is in Philippians where Paul exhorts the believers to be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, let your petition be known unto God. So here is a man who has, he is in chain. He has been confined. It's a very inconvenient situation for him. Yet, in the midst of that place, he takes the initiative of encouraging a group of believers that we are going through tough times. Amen. Says to them, be anxious for nothing. Yet, all around him, he has every reason to be anxious. His situation gives him every reason to complain and whine about life, to question the goodness of God, to question the presence of God in his life. Here is a man who has demonstrated unbendable allegiance to the will of God, yet he is in a place of confinement. He is in chains. And so he would have used this as an opportunity to tell God, you are not faithful. God, you are not powerful enough because he has obeyed what God told him to do and now he's in chain. Yet in the midst of that situation, Paul understands that the God we serve is one that specializes in turning around things for his greater glory. Matter of fact, in Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 to 14, he says, But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. So that it has become evident to the whole palace God and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. 
Hear the mindset of this brother. Even in difficult circumstances, he still believes that the mission of God cannot be contained. It cannot be confined. He is physically he is confined, but the word is still going forth in power. God's purpose is triumphing gloriously in the midst of his confinement. We serve a big God. And it's time for us to come to that realization that the God we serve cannot be reduced to the level of our circumstances. He cannot be reduced to the level of our human thinking. God is capable of doing far abundantly above what you think or you can even imagine according to the power of God that works in our lives. The God that has called us is an omnipotent God. He says in Jeremiah that I am the Lord of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? There is absolutely nothing too hard for God. Trust in God. Believe God. Hope in God. He will never fail you. Hallelujah. He is able. He is not limited in, in his capacity to do the needful in spite of the severity of our circumstances. He is God. It's not a son of man to lie. No a son of man to change his mind. In Philippians 1.6, he says, In this I am confident. Again, speaking in this place of confinement. Says, in this I am confident. Even in that place of confinement, he did not lose his confidence in God. He says, in this I am confident that he who began a great work in you shall bring it to fruition. Even in my absence, God's work shall prevail over each and every machination of the enemy. He is convinced. Hallelujah. We serve a big God. We serve a great God. He writes 2 Timothy while confined in a Roman dungeon, awaiting to be executed. 2 Timothy was Paul's final letter. And most scholars believe he might have been around, he might have been in his late 60s or even 70s. So here is a man who has followed God all throughout his journey, ministry journey. He is being obedient to the higher call. And yet at, he, at the end of his journey, he finds himself in a very difficult place again. He is in a Roman dungeon. It could have been around the fall seasons, most scholars believe. It's cold. This is a man physically had so many scars because of the sufferings that he had counted along the way in this very difficult place. But yet it is in that difficult place that he charges Timothy to endure hardship as a good soldier of Christ. For no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this world, that he may please him who enlisted him to be a soldier. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, he says to Timothy, that God has not given us a spirit of fear, 
but he has given us power, love, and a sound mind. The Greek word he uses for fear is delilia, which carries the notions of cowardice and timidity. So here is Paul in prison again, but he says to Timothy that God has not given you a spirit of timidity, but he has given you his dunamis power. There is explosive strength, demonstrative strength that God has deposited in you, Timothy. When you read about dunamis, it's the kind of power that when it begins to operate in your life, it does seek an avenue of release to demonstrate itself. It's demonstrative, it's explosive. It's the power that translates changes, ordinary men into spiritual giants. And Paul says to Timothy, God has given you a deposit of dunamis. And he has given you his agapela. And he has given you a sound mind. So thanksgiving recognizes God for who he is. In spite of our circumstances. And thanksgiving recognizes the effectiveness of the grace of God in our life. Amen. I told uh, the first service, <laughs> 2016, of, uh, it was a Easter Monday. My father preached in this place, could have been 2015, you know. But on, on, on the Easter Monday of 2016, I was enjoying a great time with family, you know. Enjoying my kids, and I was also watching the soccer game. Because I used to be a soccer player, and I enjoy it, you know. Then I received a phone call from my youngest brother. So for the first two times, I ignored him because I didn't want him to take my attention from family and the soccer game that I was enjoying. Things were growing great. Life was full of bliss, yeah? Well, I finally pick up the phone and my brother is wailing, you know, just weeping. He has lost it. I'm like, what's going on? And it's like, dad is dead. My father died in a very tragic accident along two American missionaries, Pastor Scott and Pastor Eddie. So he calls me and it's like, come, whatever you're doing, come now. So I get in the car and I'm driving. I didn't care about police or anything. I was just cruising. So I get to the place where he was laying lifeless, you know. I mean, I look at him and I was just so overwhelmed by the power of death. Like here is a man who came back from South Sudan just yesterday because he had been on a mission trip to South, South Sudan prior to that. He was doing missions, just enjoying good time with friends. Now today, he's over here, you know. But I remember, you know, so many things went through my mind. But I had a decision to make. 
like, should I use this as an opportunity to just walk away from God? Or conclude that God is not faithful? Or I can choose to see it from a different angle. And I did. You see, my father came from a very strong Muslim background. And yet God in his interminable mercy and grace somehow pulled him out of that. And revealed himself to him. My uncles, grandfather, they are all strange Muslims, you know. Yet somehow God pulled my father out of all that. And he ended up in the hands of one of his aunties. Because when he was born, he was born a twin. His parents didn't want anything to do with him. They were like, no, we don't want him. My grandfather, he was just a drunkard, you know, running around with women. And that's the kind of life he led. So now he has these twins and he didn't want anything to do with them. So they hand him over to my auntie. And my father told me that the first time he saw his parents, it was, he was around 11 years, you know. So there was never a relationship between him and them. But yet he became one of the greatest fathers that I knew. He gave us something that he himself did not have. And I couldn't help but be grateful even in the midst of this tragedy. Like here is a man, God was faithful to him. He would have ended up being a staunch Muslim, a imam, or a sheikh. God saved him. Number two, he became a great father. You know? And number three, my father joined ministry back in the 70s while the evangelical church was burnt in Uganda. We had a crazy president known as Idi Amin Dada. And this guy was way out there, you know. The guy accused the evangelical church of uh, spying for the American government. So he saw them as just spies and the CIA and this and that. So he put a band on them. And many pastors were thrown in prison. A lot of them were killed. But my father was one of the men who stood during those times. Very difficult times, you know. But yet he stood. He held firm the confession of the Holy. Amen. So even in the most difficult of circumstances, there is a lot of things that I would point out. Like, I would do myself a tremendous disservice if I forget all these great things that God had done, yeah? When back in the 90s in Uganda, we had an HIV epidemic. I mean, it came and swept through entire districts because people didn't know what it was. A lot of people thought this was witchcraft from who knows where. 
And so many of them would run to witch doctors and trying to, in order to find and a panacea to it. And it killed off people's souls. Most of the guys that I grew up with, my friends, didn't even have parents. And here I am. I had enjoyed my father for 57 years. He died when he was 57, you know. Saying I was around, what, 31, 30, no? So even in the midst of my trying times, there are so many things that I could be grateful for, you know. We serve a faithful God. Amen. We have every reason as believers to be the most grateful people under the sun. God has given us the riches of eternity. He is here with us. He has given us the promise of his ever-abiding presence. I will not leave you as orphans, but I will be with you forever. And he kept true to those promises throughout Paul's ministry journey. There was never a time where he walked away from Paul or turned his back against Paul. Even in time where Paul's friends walked away from him. He talks about the instance of his friend Demas who walked away from him. But even in those times, Paul would testify that God was faithful. And I remember the first time I came in the U.S., that was 2008. That was a very difficult time for me. Because before coming to the U.S., I had my expectations, you know. <clears throat> you know, we human beings, we are accustomed to moving within the boundaries of our own presuppositions, you know. We create ideas in our minds and then we attach emotions to those ideas. So when we find ourselves in situations where those ideas are not irreconcilable with those situations, we become disappointed and mad and complain, you know. So that happened to me. I had my expectation of what American experience was going to be like. Then I got over here, I remember the first day, because I didn't know anybody. I remember the first day waking up and everything was different. I didn't have anybody to call. I didn't know where to go buy food. So you know what I did? I did what most of us did. I started complaining and grumbling. I told God, if I knew it was going to be like this, you should never have allowed me to get here, you know. Then I found out that it's cold. <laughs> In Uganda, when it gets to 75 degrees, we think that is too cold because we are used to our 90 and 100. Now I'm over here, it's dropping to 40s. <laughs> My uh, brother-in-law, there was a time it dropped to 30s. And he was like, well, this is a good day. I'm like, what? <laughs> At least we don't have snow, you know. <laughs> like, good day, 40, 30. Are you kidding me? You know? And so I started complaining. I started threatening God. You don't do something about my situation, I'm just going to walk out of this. 
But you see, God is my mercy. He needs mercy. He had to put up with my foolishness and childish, you know. It's like, relax, man. It's going to be okay. It's going to change. So I remember during that time of just going through a depression, you know. I'm here, but I don't want to be here. You know. I don't want to go back home. I want to be somewhere, but I don't know what. That's somewhere that I want to be, you know. Because I was bombarded from. My mind was just under attack. You know, one of uh, the, <laughs> speaking of that, the New Testament words, the Greek word that the New Testament usually uses for devil is diabolos, D-I-A-B-O-L-O-S. And this is a word that describes the repetitive action of hitting something over and over again till it is so worn out that it can be penetrated. And, you know, this word also describes the enemy's modus operandi, his method of operation. He has a way of just bombarding our minds with lies after lies and accusation and guilt and shame. And till we start going crazy, till we start questioning the promises of God for our life, till we... Till we get to a point where we just want to give up everything that God has made available to us. And that almost happened to me the first time I ended up here. I believed every lie that the enemy was throwing at me. But God was merciful. He was gracious. Every time he would encourage me to get into the scriptures. So the more I started getting into the scriptures, I began to see God for who he is, independent of my circumstances. Well, I think that's going to be enough for today. But let me say this before I depart. Maybe you're here and you're going through a very rough time. You know, we are in these times of thanksgiving. People are enjoying families. They are tweeting and this and that. But maybe that's not your experience, even as I speak right now. Because you're listening to all kinds of voices going on in your world. And who knows, you're even pondering giving up. But I just want to encourage you. The God who has carried you this far is a faithful God. He is a good God. Life is tough, it can be cruel, but God is good all the time. The psalmist said in Psalms 34 that I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praises shall continually be on my lips. Amen. God has a great future for each and every one of us. He will never leave us, no forsake us. He is for us. May God bless you.